You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast. I'm Natasha Sanishevsky. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your time. Uh, we have another golf guest for you. I just realized that's back-to-back golf guests. I'm sorry if you're not into golf, but too bad because I loved having Tanika Mackey uh, here chatting with me. We had a great conversation. You probably have not heard of her before. I hadn't heard of her until, uh, I don't know, maybe about a month ago when I came across her article. Uh, ESPN did a very nice article on her. She is the only full-time black female caddy on the LPGA tour. She caddies for Amy Olson. She is from the Bahamas and uh, she has been through a bit of adversity in her career and has uh, overcome it all. She has a, a great attitude about life, great personality, we had a great conversation. I uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I hope that you are getting excited for golf season the same way I am. I tell you what, the weather here in Alberta, and I feel like in most parts of the country, it feels like golf season is not that far off. So hopefully that fires you up a little bit. Uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here she is, Tanika Mackey. All right, here she is, Tanika Mackey. I am so happy that she found the time to be on the show. Uh, Tanika, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? I'm doing great. Enjoying enjoying some downtime. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. What, is, what does downtime mean for you? You're a full-time caddy, right, on the LPGA Tour. So what does downtime look like for you? Uh, downtime, I think it's actually busier than actually being on the road. Downtime for me is spending time in the Bahamas with my husband. Um, we have a dog and a garden. So in the Bahamas, it is planting season, reaping season, a little bit of everything. So it is, I mean, even today we spent about three hours weeding. So downtime is actually probably harder than work and then planning, planning, uh, and booking things for, for work. So, you know, getting hotels and rental cars and flights. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Right. Okay. I want to get into the caddying part, obviously, but a little bit later, I want to go back to the beginning um, and where your love for golf started. What was your childhood like growing up at the Bahamas and, and when did you start loving golf? Childhood in the Bahamas was amazing. Uh, my brother and I, he's two years older than I am. He loves sports and I just always had that competitive mindset and everything he did, I wanted to do better. So we swam, we played soccer, basketball, softball, anything he honestly, volleyball, if he picked it up, I picked it up as well. And then one summer we were vacationing in Iowa, which is my running joke. When you live in the Bahamas, you vacation in Iowa, but that's where, that's where my mom's entire family, that's where they live. So okay. we were in Iowa. And then my mom came back, we were gone for two weeks. And she asked my dad, is there anything new? He's like, oh, everything's the same. She's like, there is no way nothing's changed in two weeks. So she got old newspapers and saw that the president of the golf association here in the Bahamas was asking for, for people to start playing kids to start getting into it. It was only a hundred dollars a year. So my mom's like, she looked at my brother and I, would you guys want to try it? We're like, sure. Why not? So 
I, there weren't very many females. So within six months, I was pretty good. And I made, made the national team. So got to go to the Dominican Republic. So my love for traveling made my love for golf kind of become a thing. And now, you know, probably 15 years later, now it's my job. So that, that, that's how the golf thing started. Right. I'm always so interested in hearing like, I love golf and I've, I've talked to a few sort of professional golfers. I'm so curious to hear about how they get into the sport because I feel like it's not always at the top of mind for most kids as a sport to get into, because generally you're playing it by yourself. It's really time consuming and it's expensive, right? So it's interesting to me, or I just, it's interesting that it was your mom, because I feel like someone always has like a trigger, someone who kind of like leads them into the sport. And in this case, it was just your mom looking in the newspaper. Yeah. And like I said, my mom, my mom never picked up a golf club. Some of her sisters and brothers, they play, um, but she never picked it up. And when you talk about it being expensive, I, I didn't even realize how expensive golf truly was until my second year of college. Like here in the Bahamas, we literally paid a hundred dollars a month. I mean, a year to go on the golf course. Really? I mean, clubs, yep. The clubs that I used for the first six years, were rental clubs that we bought from the the golf course. We paid $25 for them. And they even said, hey, when you get your next, your new set, you return them, we'll give you back $10. I mean, I never returned them. So I paid 25 bucks for them. Um, and then it wasn't until like I went off to college and then I was trying to play golf back home. You know, I was a collegiate athlete. I was playing golf in the States and I heard how much like people are like, oh, we pay... $300 for a driver. I'm like, Oh shoots. This, this is actually expensive. And then now in the Bahamas, it's, you want to go play around a golf. You're paying, you're paying $250 around. And I'm like, can we go back to the days when I paid a hundred dollars for the year and I could play nine holes whenever I wanted? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, to be a kid again. Hey, that's, that's awesome though. I love kind of ignorance is bliss and you were just in it and playing it and loving it and not worrying about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, the only thing my parents, they honestly ever paid for, cause I got, I got golf shirts cause I made the national team. So the six shirts we got in the summer, I pretty much wore those all year round. And so the only thing my mom and my dad ever paid for was golf shoes, uh, golf gloves and shorts. Never, never paid for golf balls. I mean, we were digging, finding golf balls in the, in the hole. I mean, in, in the, uh, we were finding golf balls <laughs> in the water. Right. In the so it was, it was, if to me, I thought it was, I thought it was a cheap sport. I had, I had no clue. I mean, and I remember when I, my senior year, my, my dad, um, the head pro at the driving range was like, okay, I think it's time for you to get some new clubs. And the whole set was like $150. And, and I almost cried because so I was like, that, that can do so much for our family. I'm just like, these ones, these ones are fine. Like I've been, I've been doing well with rental clubs for like, I don't need to get new clubs. Like it's all fine. My dad's like, I can pay a hundred and we can pay $150 for you to get some golf clubs. So right. that's like, say so ignorance is bliss. I had, I had no clue. Got it. So did you have. Did you have any role models at the time or people that you looked up to when it came to kind of the golfing world? When it, when it came to the golfing world, probably not. I mean, there was the Michael Jordan tournament. I was still like engulfed in basketball. 
So the people I always looked up to, you know, Allen Iverson, loves Serena Williams. My dad's a, a tennis pro, a teaching tennis pro. So I, I grew up watching Serena and Venus, hearing their story, where they came from. So that's something that I looked up to. And I, in my mind, I was like, well, the golf swing is kind of similar to the tennis swing, maybe. Now knowing it's probably not even close, but I was just like, oh, okay, it's hitting a ball. You know, and I'm like, if they can do it, then so can I. So when it came to golf, honestly, it wasn't really until once again, I got to, I got to college because we don't have golf channel here. You know, we have ESPN and the only thing you have on ESPN, even with tennis, you only really see the majors and you see basketball and football. Mm -hmm. So that's all, that's all we really, we really saw. So golf was never just out there. It was just something I looked at it as a way to travel once a year. Right. Right. Even now it drives me crazy on the golf channel. It is, it is so hard to watch the women. Like it's just the men take over all the time. It's so frustrating to me, but we can save that conversation. Well, you know, we can talk about it now. I mean, what do you think about that? The visible, the visibility of women right now in golf compared to the men. I mean, I think, I think it's a shame, but I feel like it's going in the right direction. Yes. Like it's at a point where they, I mean, yes, we're, we're not as fancy as the guys, like some of the shots that, that the, the guys can do are unbelievable. And it's impossible for a lot of these women. They we don't have the speed. They mm-hmm. don't have to pull off these shots. A woman will never be able to hit the ball 300 yards. So if people are looking for entertainment, you go, you go and watch the men. But I would say if you really want to, as, a, as an amateur, like you can't learn anything from the men. You, the average person cannot swing the club anywhere near as hard as the men. They can't hit, the ball. They can't hit a pitching wedge 150 yards. Right. So you can't really relate. So if you're trying to learn something, I would watch the women. And that, that's what I do. I watch women because it's like I can relate to them. I can't, I can't hit a sand wedge you know, 150 yards. So it's not relatable. Um, but I feel like we are getting there. Like we now have a new contract and it's last, I was going to say last year was pretty, it was pretty bad. Like, or even in 2020, like where we had the opportunity that the U S open, the, with the last two rounds were going to be live on NBC. So network TV and the weather, the weather, the last day just wasn't good. So then you couldn't, you couldn't watch it live. And then they just did it for Mondays. And then obviously they couldn't put it on NBC. So there was a few things. The weather hasn't been cooperating with us the last few years with when we actually now have network TV. Mm-hmm. So that's been a little bit of a shame, but at least we're moving in the right direction that we have a few slots for network TV. Um, and maybe we can get a little better on golf channel where, Hey, there is a men's tournament, but let's at least put the women out there and, once we get eyes on it, then obviously, yes, we'll get more sponsors. Our purses will go up. But I think once people realize and get to see us, because everyone, most of our tournaments are just on Golf Channel. Yeah. So you have to be an app. You're already an avid golfer. You already know us. But I can't just, especially here in the Bahamas where we don't have Golf Channel, I can't just flip the screen and happen to potentially see golf or at least women's golf because... I, we don't have that subscription here. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing that, especially with our majors, like I think we'll get more, more feedback, more eyes. Now that we have this contract where we're going to be on network TV, especially during the majors. So that's going to be, I'm really excited about that. And I hope, hope the weather cooperates with us. 
for the next few times. That damn weather. I totally forgot about that till you just refreshed my memory about that and bumping things to Monday. That doesn't, that's not good for anybody. So yeah, that's too bad, but you're right. I do think it's moving in the right direction. It's just a little slow for my liking. (laughs) Anyways, um, I just want to back up a little bit. You really loved basketball. I think that was your first really big love, right? How did you kind of had to pick, right? Basketball or golf? How did you decide which direction you wanted to go? I, to be honest, yes, I love basketball. I probably still do love basketball, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really a selection per se, but how it happened my senior year, I got injured two weeks before the playoffs and I remember praying and I was like, God, if you allow me to play in this playoffs and we win the championship, I would never, I would be okay not playing basketball again. And we, we ended up, I mean, I should have been on crutches for two weeks, but I said, I'm going to push through it. We ended up winning. And that was when I was okay. Okay. With not playing basketball. And then once again, my mom, the next year I went to a small college and she drilled me for a month to play basketball. So then I got back into collegiate basketball, was an MVP as a rookie. And then it was like, okay, now we got to find somewhere to get a scholarship. So that's the hard part. So then I got a basketball, a golf scholarship to Redlands Community College. And I still, still wanted to play basketball. Mm -hmm. The coaches wanted me to play, but I was like, I can't risk a full scholarship to get injured playing basketball. So it was more, more of my hands were forced on why I switched over, but it was more scholarship wise that, I mean, I knew I could go further in golf where it'd be a lot easier to get like scholarships. And that's, that was one thing, like my parents didn't have a lot of money. So if I wanted to get an education, golf was, golf was that avenue. Got it. Okay. When I was growing up high school, I also played basketball. I played all the team sports, basketball, volleyball, soccer, and I just took up golf, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And I find the sports like so different. Like this is the first time I've ever done an individual sport. Like I'm so used to team sports. So I've have found it really hard to just be like relying on myself all the time. And the mental part of it is tough for me too. Like, it's just me out there and that's it. And nobody else. Like, so what do you love about golf compared to basketball? There's to me, they're so different. Oh, they're, they're completely different. But the thing that I actually, I love the most about it is like, I it's, I love it and I hate it. It's like a love-hate relationship. Right. You try, like you never, you're never satisfied. You, you've never like fully succeeded. Like in basketball, you could, you could have a whole, you can have a whole five games and you shoot a hundred percent from the free throw line. And you, you can pat yourself on the back and say, Hey, my free shots are great. In golf, it's like, hey, you can hit 10 great drives and then you hit one in the bush and you're like, oh, shoot. Like it brings you back to reality. So it is a love-hate relationship. And it's like every time you try to perfect it, you realize perfection in golf is never going to happen. So you you get mad, but then you just, it's the one shot you hit good and you're like, okay, let's, let's try it again. <laughs> yeah. You just, you have to let things go. That's what I'm learning. Let, let go of the bag shots. Just keep moving. The most important shot is the next one, right? As the saying goes. Yeah. So did you, was it your goal to make the LPGA or, or what were you thinking when you were playing at the college level? I, I mean, it was something, honestly, even when I was, even when I was in the Bahamas as, as a kid, like I always had that mindset to be the best. So when I was playing basketball, the WNBA was, was my, was a dream. 
And even when I was still playing basketball and golf in college, the LPGA was my dream. Being a professional golfer was my dream. I always wanted, I always wanted to be the best. And I always looked at, and I was like, okay, where, where can, where can I go next? I, I never sit, I never stay in the moment. I'm always like, okay, what, what is next? So I, yes, I did. I did consider it. And I, even when the, especially when the tournament was here in the Bahamas, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can finally get the chance to say I played in an LP, LPGA event. Once I got to college, I realized being a professional golfer probably wasn't going to happen just because of how, how expensive it is in the Bahamas. And I realized how much money and time I would have to put in. And I knew I would probably have to live in the U.S. to actually have a chance. And that was something I was not willing to give up. I wanted, I wanted to be home. So I knew professional golf probably was never going to happen just because like I say, it's way too expensive. But when that tournament came, when that tournament came to the Bahamas, my eyes lit up again and I'm like, okay, this is my chance. I remember playing in the qualifier and I'm like, all right, we can get this. And then before the last round, they were like, okay, you need to decide whether you're going to possibly try and play or you're, you're just going to just like this, just do use this as a round to like, just get better for college. And I like Googled it and I realized what, what it meant to say, Hey, I want to be a professional. I was like looking at playing in an LPGA event and I still have three more years left in college. So I like did the numbers and I'm like, I can't turn to my parents and say, Hey, I'm going to try and make this thing, this golf thing and throw away $60,000. It's pretty much, well, probably even more when you think about full, a full, a full ride room and board for the next three years. Right. So it was like that dream like was realized like, Oh, I can do it. And then it was the reality of saying, you got to give up your amateurism status to play. And it also now, now, obviously now looking at it is I could have played as an amateur, but the people here in the Bahamas, I don't think they even knew about it. They just thought if you played in the event, you had to be a professional. So it's like, say it shows that how, how little we kind of do know here in country and how small golf actually is. But that's when I, the dream was there when I saw the tournament. And then when they said, you have to give up your amateurism status, I'm like, all right, I can just, I can just, uh, volunteer at this tournament and just see, see professionals. And I was like, that, that's good enough for me. Right. And that's where you met Amy, correct? Or did that come after? I was after that. Cause I met oh. her, in, well, not her, but I first time ever seeing like the LPGA like in person was in 2013. And that year, it was funny. I caddied that year because I just volunteered, volunteered okay. out, and I caddied that year for Jill McGill. And that year was so funny because we had awful weather. So that's when the tournament, that was when the tournament was three days, 12 holes each. They changed up the course. And, and I remember saying after, after like two days, because Jill only had one strap. And I was like, I could never do this job. And now look at me. <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. I love this. So you started, you caddied at that tournament at that event. And then I guess just explain further how the, how, how the caddying as a job came to be and how you met Amy and, and that whole story. Okay. But like I said, the first time I caddied was in 2013. I still had, I think I still had three more years left in college. So every time in the, the tournament was in May, 
So it was right around like when we were doing like our national championship. So I couldn't, I never got the chance to get back. And then after I graduated in 2016, I coach, I was coaching for a year as an assistant golf coach and the tournament moved to January. So I just asked my boss, I'm like, Hey, the tournament's going to be in January. Can I get two extra weeks off for Christmas? And my boss was nice enough. He gave it to me and I just signed up as a local caddy and I just got a, it was funny. I think I got a text literally Monday. It was Monday night of the tournament at probably midnight. I was actually out with friends and it was like, Hey, do you want to show up to the golf course tomorrow at 7am to caddy? And I was just like, Oh, got nothing else to do. Sure. Let's do it. And that's, that's when I met Amy and we just, we hit it off. And I, I didn't even really know who she was. I was just like, okay. I didn't really, like, I didn't even Google her literally until after the first round when I heard that she won 20 collegiate events. And I was like, oh, shoot, this girl is actually, she's good, you know? Right. So, <laughs> right. But yeah, so that was 2017, I caddied about five more events that year, even though I was still coaching, like when the season ended. And then she sent me a message at the ending of 2017. Uh, hey, how do you feel about going to Australia? And that, that that's how she got me. Because <laughs> you love to travel, right? So always Australia was always my one of my, my dream destination. Amazing. So, okay. So what is it like for you then to not cut your, not that you're behind the scenes because you're right there with her, but now you're like, you're not the center of attention. You're like the support system for the player, right? What's, what's that vibe like? I imagine that there'd be a lot of pressure. Uh, um, it all, I, I think the pressure comes from your player and Amy is so chill and so down to earth that there is really no real pressure. I mean, and we have such a great relationship that even if like she's, if she says, Hey, what do you think about this? And I agree with it right away. Like we have that relationship where I'm like, hold on, wait one second. I know we agreed, but can you just explain this to me one more time, just so that we're on the same page and being a support, like being like a support staff, like I love that. Like I love helping people and I don't, I don't need, I don't need the attention. I don't need the fame and whatever I can do to help somebody succeed. That's actually what I love doing. And it's why when I come home, like I give so much to, to kids and I give so much attention because it's like, it's not about me. It's about the next generation. I want to help. I want to help someone that is in that is in my the, is is in the same shoes that I was in 15 years ago that it's like hey they don't have the access to money they don't have anything but if I can give them maybe an opportunity like that's that's what I want so I that I that's, I think that's the best part like so when it comes to when it comes to caddying you kind of answered my next question because I was going to say you're the only full-time black female caddy on the LPGA tour and it sounds like you that's really important for you to, to, to be that and to be a mentor for other people. Because like you said, when you were younger, you didn't see a lot of women who looked like you out there golfing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and at first it was, I remember the first year when I, in 2018, when I went over to Korea, it was, I was, I was the only black female because I'm Cheyenne Woods and Mariah Stackles. They were on tour, but they didn't make it. And for a split second, I, I almost doubted myself and I asked myself, do I deserve to be, should I even be here? And I just, I, I changed that automatically. And I'm like, you can be the face to show someone else like you 
that it's like, it's okay to be different and it's okay to stand out. So I love that. And I mean, even, even now, like I, I kind of have a little bit of fame that I have parents come up to me and they're like, can, can you please like take a picture with my daughter and sign her autograph? Like she looks up to you, she follows you. And, and that's something like, I don't want them to follow me, but I just want them to see that because I can do it. They can too. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, um, even just being a woman, I mean, the same thing, I'll be in locker rooms or dressing rooms and I'm the only woman sometimes in there and you kind of get used to it, but there are moments where you kind of look around and you're like, do I really belong here? Right. Like you second guess yourself. You think you wonder if you deserve it, but I feel like, but I, I feel like you've talked yourself above that, which is, which is great because I don't know. Yeah. I think we forget sometimes as women that people watch and people notice. And when the parents come up and the kids come up, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, this, this visibility really matters. It makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes you also don't want to get too caught up because it is a job. You don't just want to look at it as a paycheck. Yes, this job obviously helps my husband and I to survive, but it's sometimes when you, it's even those parents bringing their kids up to me, it bring it humbles you and lets you know that, hey, in moments when, when you get frustrated, when moments when you aren't playing well, you have to just watch out because people are watching you. So it's like, if you have a poor attitude, it's like you don't realize that you have eyes on you. And that's something that even even in that split second when a parent may come up to you and I mean, these kids, they know nothing. They don't, they don't know what is, what is first place or last place. They're just out there, like have kind of like to say innocent and lot, like as completely naive as I was about how expensive golf was. And it's like that, that's something when you look in this, at least for me, like you look in the, you look in the stands and everyone, not stands, but you look outside the ropes and you see like these kids just, joyful and laughing and sometimes yeah you get frustrated because they may be making noise at the wrong time but you just look at them and you're like they're innocent like they have no clue but it's like hey they may be the next superstar yeah right now they don't know it but they may be the next superstar yeah you never know who's watching that is absolutely true um i love i feel like you have such a great attitude already but you also went through or maybe still going through a a health issue because you were diagnosed with MS, correct? At the end of 2018. What was that like for you? What has that been like for you? It's, I mean, at first it was kind of crazy. Cause I'm like, it's almost like how it was with the LPGA. Like you, you see, like when I had that opportunity to maybe play, like you see, like you get so excited and you're like, man, I can play professionally. And then you get immediately dropped down. That's kind of almost how it was. It's like, okay, I just got this full-time job traveling. And now I have this diagnosis, like, wait, what does this mean? Um, it, I'm doing, I'm doing great. I thank God I have, I have no symptoms. I have no limitations. I mean, in the next two weeks, I'll be going, going back to go get my yearly MRIs. I mean, I'm still, still on treatment. I get an infusion every, every six months. I take medicine every, every day. I still am actually on seizure medicine, just, just kind of to be careful and make sure. So and I eat a lot better workout. So it's something that I am taking all the precautions, but I still do have it. It's something that I'm going to live the rest of my life with. There is currently no cure for MS, but it's all about, I think, the positive attitude and the positive outlook. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's also been diagnosed with MS. So I, I find this interesting, but you're, you're right with this, like from the sounds of it, a lot of people are, you can 
live a really good life with it, right? With the way medication is right now um, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm happy to hear that it's not holding you back at all from the sounds of it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I do believe, I do believe we caught it early because the way we found it was a seizure and a seizure is not a symptom of MS. So I probably do believe that I caught it about 10 years early. And I think like your mindset, that's, think that's a huge, a huge help as well with it. So I, I don't know, like say I could, I could wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk. So it's just, so I could be, I could wake up tomorrow and not be able to see. So it's something that that's just the, the hardest part about MS is there's so little known about it mm-hmm. that everyone's body acts, reacts different to it. So you just, you just don't know, but I, I think the mindset and being active and the diet, that's like a huge, that's a huge help. All right. One more question for you. I will let you go after this. I'm, I hate when people ask me this question, but I'm so curious about this. When I ask you this question, where do you see yourself in five years? Do you have any goals when it comes to golf or anything at all? Oh, I, I mean, I know exactly where I see, I see myself in five years. I uh, probably could let it out, but probably within five years, I see myself retired from caddying back oh. in the starting starting a family and my parents they own they own two preschools here in the Bahamas and that's that's what I want to that's what I want to get into I want to take over the family business and help help kids any way I can and I would love to open up a sports elementary high school I mean a sports elementary school here in the Bahamas I feel like if you can get kids at a young age like it's once they have that foundation, like nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna break them. Nothing's gonna change them. So that that's where I see myself in five years. I love it. I love that answer. I love that you have a plan. I need to get going with a plan for myself because I have no plan right now. So I'm inspired <laughs> with that by that. Um, thank you so much for this. I, I love your story. Uh, I wish you every success. I hope you get to travel a ton more before you just have to retire in the next five years. Um, and I hope everything stays great with your health. Thank you so much. Yeah. Don't worry. The, my retirement, I already have my retirement, uh, vacation planned probably three weeks in South Africa. My mom and dad said they're already joining on. My brother and his wife may join as well. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Whoever wants to come, comes. But thank you. I appreciate it. And I wish you all the best as well. And if you ever need anything else, you reach out at any time. Email and now I do have you on Instagram. Like It'll come like directly to me. So either one would actually be fine. Okay. The one thing I would ask you for is golf tips because... I'm, I'm always asking my guests for golf tips. I, like I told you, I started golfing seven or eight years ago and I finally broke a hundred last year, which was oh. a big monkey off my back. So now I'm aiming for the, aiming for the eighties, but I've got a ways to go. So if I, if I can't get there, I might have to message you for some golf tips down the road. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, the first, I, the biggest, I think the biggest golf tip when you're, you're shooting scores like that is usually you get, you get frustrated. Yeah. You can't. You can't hit a good shot thinking about the last bad shot or you you just missed the three footer and then you get on the tee and you're you're still mad at that three footer and then you put the next one in the bush. Exactly. So like that 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 doesn't help as well. So probably that that would be the big thing is like say letting things go really quick and giving yourself an opportunity to make mistakes. I think they even say Tiger Woods allows himself to make feel like he allows himself to make 10 mistakes around. I heard that his dad told him he's allowed 10 steps from his last shot. And then he has to stop thinking about it. I 
think that was a tip that I heard that I thought was related to Tiger. But maybe it's the 10 mistakes. I don't know. There was something in there with the 10 rule. I'll have to, I'll have to research it. I could be off on the number, but I, I know like the, the number of mistakes, like, but once again, his mistakes since he's a professional are, right. so great, are, are super small, but it's like to know that the best golfer in the world, I mean, not right now, but I'll still call him the best golfer in the world sure. allows himself to make 10 mistakes. And it's like, as amateurs, we don't even allow ourselves to make one. Right. So it just shows like we can't, if he allows himself 10, then shoots, we should allow ourselves a hundred. Now I'm not no. saying hit golf balls in the bush, but yeah, I like that rule. That's good. <laughs> now that I really think about that, you're right. 10 mistakes. I feel like I could live with that per round. If you think about it, it's kind of like almost every second hole, one mistake, which isn't a huge deal. So yeah, I'll remember that once the golf season starts going here. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for this. It was so nice to meet you. Um, and yeah, good luck the rest of the season to you and Amy. Thank you. Stay warm. Yes, I will. Thanks, Tanika. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. 